Working Class Audio is made possible by the support of Cali Audio, DistroKid, Sampley Audio, Audio Technica, Gearspace, and Grace Design. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 314. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here is your host, Matt Boudreaux. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 314 you're listening to. My guest today is engineer Shuda Shinoda, based in London, originally from Tokyo. We talk all about Shuda's journey from Japan to the UK and everything in between. Very excited to have him on today. Shuda Shinoda, coming up here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Grab your coffee cups, friends. Let's talk a little business and a little inspiration. Business first. It's been a hell of a year, I know. I don't even have to really say that. 2020 really kind of sucked for some. For some, it was good. So regardless, this is the time of the year, December, January-ish, where I highly encourage you to do a bit of a year-end review and planning for the next year. What do I mean by that? Look over the past year. And if you don't have a great memory for this, which I seem to not have a great memory for this, take your calendar. If you utilize your calendar quite a bit, which I encourage you to do, look at your calendar, see if it jogs your memory a bit. Think about what worked, what didn't. Think about your wins and your losses. You can even also add to that, you know, the straight cold cash part of it. Look at the bottom line. Did you earn more this year in your recording profession or did you earn less? Examine the things that you wanted to do, but that you just didn't make time for. Now, let's talk about 2021. Make a list of the things that you want to accomplish in this next year. And, you know, I like to say keep them realistic. You know, don't go overboard. Keep it to a few things that that's manageable. And I'm not going to call them goals because I think it's easier to accomplish something when you set in motion a series of habits that help that accomplishment come to fruition. Let's just keep it simple, for example. You wanna lose some weight? Maybe you need to instill a few new habits to help achieve that accomplishment. Maybe you need to exercise two more times per week. You know, Maybe you take a walk around your neighborhood. Maybe you need to instill the habit that you quit eating half a bag of salt and vinegar chips once a week. You know, Maybe you make the habit of drinking more water throughout your day. Habits that ultimately are gonna steer the ship in a new direction. It's easier to stay on top of the habit. Write it down too. So as it pertains to my fellow recording professionals, maybe you want more mix or mastering clients. Think of the habits that you need to instill to make that happen. Is it outreach? Is it networking? Think about what it could be. Are you in debt? What are the habits that you can instill to get yourself out of debt? Maybe you have a lot of credit card debt. Maybe this is the year that you start to put as much each month into your credit card payment as possible. Pay that off and then create a new habit where you don't buy something unless you actually have the cash on hand. In short, a year-end review can be whatever you want it to be but it should look at your past and it should look at your future. You should do a little bit of self-reflection and evaluation of what has happened. You should look ahead and think about what you want to happen. Write things down, document things. When you do that, you can then refer to them the following year at the same time. You can also create an email to yourself listing out all this stuff and you can send it to yourself. I think in Gmail, you can do this. You can send it to yourself in a year so that a year from now, you're gonna get an email 
from your past self. And it's going to list out all of these things that you wanted to do. Now, obviously, you want to keep a copy of those things that you want to, to do readily available so you can refer to them. Okay, so I think you know what that entails. I don't want to beat you over the head with it here, but really consider the year-end review. Okay, inspiration. If you're a recording professional, you probably spend an enormous amount of time listening to your client's music. Make time for yourself in this next year to listen to other music. And that could be music in the same genre that you're working in. It could be music that you aren't familiar with or don't understand or don't like. I'm a huge Brian Eno fan. And Brian was doing this interview with this guy. And he mentioned this great app that I'm going to pass along to you. It's an app called Radio Garden. And it allows you in kind of a Google Earth kind of interface to locate radio stations around the globe. You can spin this globe on your screen and you see all these green dots and you can zoom in on those dots. Last night I was listening to this radio station in Sri Lanka and I sat there for probably a good 45 minutes straight just listening to song after song after song, music I'd never heard before. So make time for listening and I'll transition this too also into books into reading material. Uh, I'm a big Audible fan. I prefer to listen to books sometimes more than I prefer to read them, but I try to do both. So from a listening perspective, you know, if you're into the, the audiobook thing, make time for more of that in your schedule. Make time for reading in general. Keep a, a running list of books that are recommended to you that you want to read. And if you're going to spend any time on YouTube, you know, I mean, there's a lot of crazy, interesting stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of garbage on YouTube. Do your best to seek some things out this next year that inspire you and educate you a little bit and kind of uh, challenge you a little bit. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to encourage you. Get yourselves away from social media. Get yourself away from doom scrolling. Focus on the things that are that are inspirational to you. Instead, focus your time on the things you want to accomplish, as we discussed before. Spend your time hanging out with people as best you can, if you can do it in person or online, hanging out with people that challenge you and push you to do your best, to be your best. One of the most valuable things in my life, I have to say, is my Friday morning mastermind calls with my friends from around the globe. It's hard to get up, you know, 5.45, the alarm goes off, and I know that I gotta be on that call at 6 a.m ready to talk about things and discuss things in, a, in an intelligent manner. And that's a habit that I got into long ago and it's paying dividends many times over. It's a habit that really has steered my personal ship. Sorry for the very cheesy analogy there, but it's really steered my ship into a great direction for me. So if you can get into a mastermind call this year, just remember it is your time. How you choose to spend it is up to you. I wish you the best of luck in this next year and hope that it brings great things to you and your families. That's my rant. Thank you for listening. Most of you already know about Grace Design and have known about them for years. Uh, they've been around since 1994. It was started by the two brothers, Michael and Eben Grace, who still run the company to this day. And you already know that they make incredible sounding products for us all. What you might not know if you don't know them is that Michael and Eben are two of the nicest people on the planet, easily approachable, very knowledgeable. You might have met them at a trade show and experienced this. Without a doubt, it's one of my favorite companies out there in the world of pro audio. You might have heard me a few times talking about the Grace 908 Atmos controller. 
I think the most elegant solution, if you're going to be doing Atmos, that is the best solution out there, as far as I'm concerned, hands down. And prior to that, I was using the Stereo 905 controller for many years. Not only that, but most recently, I have used their 108 mic pre's to do the Room 219 combo jazz record that you might have heard me talk about. The point is, is that they check all the boxes for me. They're incredibly nice people. They make incredibly great products. They're located here in the United States in Lyons, Colorado, and employ a number of people. They're the epitome of a small business here in the U.S., and I just love that whole thing. So if you are in the market for mic preamps or instrument preamps or monitor controllers, this is the company to check out hands down. If you don't know about them, go to gracedesign.com, check them out. And if you're in the market for any of those products, you absolutely have to consider what they offer because what they offer is superior build quality and sound quality. And those of you who bought their products in the 90s that are still using them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So check them out, gracedesign.com. I know the business of audio is a frustrating one sometimes. The audio part's pretty, pretty fun, but it's the business of it and the career part of it that's a little challenging to many of us. I can completely empathize with that. And if you thought to yourself, God, I wish I could talk to somebody about this, you can do that. You could talk with me about it. As a matter of fact, you can book me for a coaching and consulting call over Zoom very simply. Just head on over to workingclassaudio.com. If you click on the menu button at the top of the menu, there is a link that says coaching and consulting with Matt. Super simple. Click on the link, book me in for an hour on a Zoom call, and we will discuss your particular situation, and I will help you get refocused, re-inspired, and figure out what is the best path forward for you. If your situation requires a little more extensive conversation, we can absolutely book a series of calls and, like I say, get you focused and get you moving forward. I've been there, and when you don't have anybody to talk to about it, it's a little frustrating. So head on over to workingclassaudio.com, click on the menu button, and book yourself in for a Zoom call with me. And we can sit down and chat, coffees in hand, ready to tackle the business of audio together. That's it. Let's get to it. Shuda Shinoda, here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Shuta, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's just start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I was born in Tokyo, actually. I stayed in Tokyo when I was six, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then my parents moved to next city, Tokyo. One hour journey from Tokyo. More like residential area, basically. Mm -hmm. It's just normal city just very residential nothing special <laughs> <laughs> the suburbs <laughs> yeah exactly yeah what role did music play in your life in the beginning when you were a little kid well i used to play the guitar every as a teenager does just strumming guitar three chord this kind of thing mm -hmm. and uh, i didn't have any patience to see my improvement <laughs> and i wasn't really sure if i was doing right anyway but I always loved listening new music from worldwide, not only Japanese music. I bought, used to buy like loads of CD from uh, UK music or US music or anywhere really. And I was collecting loads of CD and cassette tape and stuff. That's how I started getting into music, I guess. And at what point did the world of audio or recording start to get your attention? When did you start to pay attention to recording? When I was 19, I came to London first time. It was like 1999, I think. 
and I met quite a few interesting people. Well, I came to London just to study English,、mm-hmm. but I ended up partying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and、uh, yeah, but it was beneficial, I, I have to say, because I met、um, loads of like music people as well as crazy people. And、uh, some of them, I think one of them, she studied audio engineering. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's new. And I still played guitar back then, but still three chord, maybe four chord. But some reasons that audio engineering course kind of captured my attention a lot. And then I researched what it's like. It was 1999. And then I went back to Japan one year later, saving up money. So it's a bit long story. And then I decided to study in London about audio engineering. So I saved up money in Japan and flew back to London, like 2001 or two.、Mm-hmm. I studied, I finished this course. It was like a really intense one year course. And I had to study all in English, obviously. It was fun, but quite hard. And then I came back to Japan again. About 2003, no, 2002 or 3. Yeah, that's how I started getting, getting into this business. What was the name of the school that you were at? It's called SAE, if you know, if you know that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And did you enjoy the school? Did you enjoy the process? I really enjoyed it, actually. I really enjoyed it. It was my hardest moment. you know. I never studied properly in school. When I was a kid, I just didn't find any point studying hard. <laughs> <laughs> But this time around in London, yeah, I just committed all my life just to this. Just let's focus on this business from now on. And I'm still focusing on it since then. And you mentioned、uh, the language. Was, was that rather difficult for you at the time? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still difficult, to be honest. I'm not really good at language in general. Even speaking Japanese, to be honest, I'm just rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> But the first year was really difficult. It was really hard for me just to catch up what the lecture was talking about. And I had to take note and I had to ask my friends what he meant and this kind of thing. So it was like double or triple, triple work. Yeah, because not only were you trying to decipher the language of audio and、yeah. and the way that worked, but you're also just trying to understand the intent and the phrases that people were using in English. Yeah, yeah. So you went through the program, and I assume、mm-hmm. you, you graduated. Yeah. And where did that take you from there? From there, I went back to Japan in 2003. And then I started calling up every single studio in, in Tokyo, basically. Back then, there was like a music industry book, like this thick,、uh-huh. like yellow page.、Um, and you can find every single studio or production team or, you know, this business book. Yeah. And I kind of list up what lists up every single studio. Like I categorized basically, like class A studio, class B studio, class C studio. Class A has, like, let's say, has NIV desk, SSL, blah, blah, blah. Class B, half decent desk, desk. Class C, OK studio,、mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So I started calling up from Class A studio in Tokyo, obviously. So basically, I called every single studio in Tokyo, and one of them, Class A, luckily, and they interested in me. So we had an interview. I brought my CV, and 
I still remember I was young and stupid. I printed a CV with pink letter, pink font, everything pink. <laughs> 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 I thought it was cool, but it's quite stupid. Anyway, I took this pink CV to the studio and the boss liked me and I got the job as like assistant or like T-boy actually. And mm. um, that's how I started. Interesting. Well, how long did you stay in Japan working in studios? I worked there about maybe like two, three years, I guess. Mm. So, well, basically I started from T-Boy cleaning up studio every morning. I have to stay really late. Sometimes I had to stay like overnight, three days on the low, this kind of thing. Yeah, it was quite crazy moment. Um, as you imagine in Japanese work style, it's quite, sometimes really crazy. <laughs> like I still remember I got told off because I didn't clean window properly and he saw one fingerprint on the window and I was like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. I, I'm going to clean again. So you, you got in trouble because you didn't clean the window well enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they saw one fingerprint on the window. So they told me off. <laughs> Really hardcore. So yeah, I had to keep doing that for two, three years. But I kind of enjoyed it. They taught me how to operate tape, process, and how to behave as an assistant engineer in the studio, in the room with other artists. I learned a lot from them, actually, as well as how to clean window properly. And I'm curious, what did they tell you about how to behave? Like, what, what were the terms that they used? Did they just just say, sit over there and don't talk? Yeah, they said that as well. I think they, uh, that's the first thing they said to me. But I don't really talk that much naturally, so it's easy for me. But they said to me, like, you have to read the conversation or atmosphere, what's really happening in the studio. So you have to make an action and what's really happening in the near future. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to really follow everyone's conversation even though you are working on protocols or whatever so you have to understand or you have to listen everything what they speak and that's what they said actually were they paying you a decent amount were you able to survive on what they paid you yeah just about just about okay actually but back then i commuted from my home so i managed to save a bit of money how long was the commute about 80 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. It's not too bad, but peak time train in Japan, especially Tokyo, is dreadful. I don't know if you have seen any YouTube video or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that kind of thing. So I had to squash my, myself into the crowd. <laughs> it's like a battle every day. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, so you stayed there for, would you say, three years? Yeah, yeah. And what made you decide to, to leave? Yes, the studio I worked there was, actually it was one of the biggest studios in Tokyo and I enjoyed it. But I always wanted to come back to London again because I had a really good time and I always liked listening UK music especially. And then I applied for a working permit visa. No, no, working holiday visa, sorry. And it was really high competition, but I got working holiday, visas, what it's called, permission, whatever. And I, yeah, I spent a couple of months to think like really deeply if I quit this job in Japan now and then do it from very scratch in London or maybe even minus because of the language barrier 
And so I talked to all my friends or my studio colleagues, and they kind of encouraged me to go to London. But I think I believed I was going to go to London as well, anyway. That's why I came to London again. Let's、mm. start scratch. You know, it's hard to move from a place you know well、yeah. into a、yeah. new place, but I think that it makes it even harder when there is language challenges. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it. Even as an American who speaks English, when I go to England,、mm. there's definitely people I've run into that I. Some people have much thicker accents, just like they do in the United States. There's parts of the、yeah. United States that have very thick accents. But if you're、mm. coming from a place like Japan,、yeah. and you're trying to understand that, that's a whole nother level of difficulty. <laughs> yeah, in Japan, we don't really have good English education system at all. I think Japanese are good at remembering grammar or words, but speaking wise, listening wise, they are like baby, baby level, to be honest. And、uh, none of them, none of Japanese in Japan can't speak English at all. Anyway. Plus, there was visa issue for me. Every single year, I had to renew visa, like every year, basically. So sometimes I have to had to spend lots of money to apply this English course to get student visa, hoping to renew visa. Okay, and next year you never know what's really happening. So I apply another course to get the visa, but you never know what's really happening. Third year, so that kind of thing. So I never felt settled in London for a long time. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And L- London is an expensive place to live. Yeah, it's very expensive. Yes. How did you manage to survive in those early days? Early years, I had a bit of saving. Plus, I had a bit of a part-time job, just working in a cafe, basically. So first couple of years, I couldn't do much music-wise. I was super busy, like sorting out the visa, studying English, or just building a lifestyle in London. And then, when was it? Maybe two thousand seven, maybe two three years later, I got this opportunity to work in a small studio in North London. It was this producer's private studio, so he kindly let me just sit next to him, just watching him. What he's doing, and sometimes helping him—not proper assistant, assistant, just kind of internship. Okay. And I didn't get paid, but I met quite a few interesting people while I was there, and I learned lots of stuff from him as well. So yeah, it was good. You mentioned before that you were essentially you were trying to establish a foundation. You were trying to get your lifestyle、yeah. together, place to live,、yeah. money coming in. But also, you, there's this maintenance that you have to do with the visa. You have to stay. I assume you were having to stay in the English class just to maintain the visa. To be honest, yes. <laughs> yeah, but also you kind of needed to stay in the English class just so you could learn more English. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, get yeah. get better at it. Yeah. How long have you been in in London at this point? All together, from including my first arrival, I think seventeen years, eighteen years. Hmm. Quite a long time, actually. Yeah, quite a long time. But in 2005, that's when I got the working holiday visa. So I've been in London since then continuously. So 15 years continuously. And so now, are you a, a resident, or do you continue to have a visa you have to renew every year? I have a resident 
visa now. Oh. Like, I got I got one like five years ago, maybe. Okay. Is that a difficult yeah. process? Oh my God, it's so difficult. <laughs> so difficult. Yeah. It's my um, proudest moment, actually. I spent loads of time. I had to spend all my money for just this stupid visa. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> they make you work for it. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Hey, our friends over at DistroKid have created the DistroKid app for Android, which allows you to do some key things such as check your stats from Apple and Spotify, edit release metadata, upload new releases, and a host of other features. And remember, WCA listeners get 30% off your first year at DistroKid. And if you just head on over to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30, you can follow the link, get your 30% off, and be off to the races. So check our friends out at DistroKid and make sure and get your 30% off by going to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30. About a year and a half ago, I signed up for Sampley.app and I have to report back and say that I'm completely thrilled with it and it's working out quite well. It gives me the ability to upload mixes and masters to the website and provide a super pro looking interface for my clients. They can drop comments in the timeline. They can listen on any device. They can listen to it in high res. And if I want them to pay for the mix or master before they download it, because of the Stripe integration, I can set that up. There's also Dropbox integration, which allows me to quickly create a folder in my Dropbox, which automatically syncs with Sampley, makes it much more simple. You should check it out for yourself, but there's a deal to be had. So use the code WCA20. Go to Sampley.app or Sampley.app. Use the code WCA20, get 20% off, and you'll be off to the races. It's a fantastic tool that I think you're going to enjoy and will definitely make you look a lot more pro when you're delivering files to clients. Skip that whole business where you send it to them over Dropbox. That looks totally amateur at this point. Use Sampley.app and use that code WCA20, and I think you're going to be really thrilled. Sampley.app. Check it out. Going back to the studio where this producer was having you work at his place just mm -hmm. as an intern, tell me about that. Where did you go from there? Did he ultimately hire you or? Well, from there, I had another blank, I have to say, because I couldn't stay there for a long time because I didn't get paid. I had still have to pay visa and living cost. But I stayed there like a year or two. And, and then again, I went back to just normal lifestyle, working in a cafe, or I did a bit of um, lab engineering here and there. Mm. And I also, I had a little home studio. I invited local band or local friend to come over to record music. So that's what I was doing for another couple of years. You have a home studio at that time and, and you're inviting people over. Did you find it difficult to record in the place that you were living as far as the neighbors? Yeah, it's really difficult. As you, as you imagine, London housing issue, you know, just always like, you can't really play music loud or you can't really play guitar at home at all. So I had to rent, like work, live, warehouse style house. So I had like a massive one room, basically nothing, just kitchen, toilet. And I put my speaker or computer there. I used as a studio, as my uh, living room, bedroom. Really, really DIY. <laughs> yeah, I would say. It's interesting now, so help me fill in the time period because when you go to your website now, mm -hmm. I'm seeing three different control rooms. You've got a Neve room, an SSL room, 
and a and a small API room. That's the way I mean now, actually. The API room. Okay. How did you get to that point where you've got these three control rooms? Where is this located? And tell me about putting together of that studio that you're in. In 2010, I still remember. Just 10 years ago, I got contacted.、Um, the studio you just mentioned, it's called Hackney Road Studios. They have Neve Desk, Neve Room, and SSL Room, basically. So, like 10 years ago, I contacted Steve. He was ex owner in Hackney Road Studio, and he gave me a deal, basically. It's just like a sharing space.、Mm. So, I have to pay rent. It's like pairs you go. I have to pay this much. If I use the studio this much amount, I have to pay monthly. So it's just sharing with other two, three producer engineers there. So they don't give me any work. So I have to find my own work. So I'm still doing this kind of deal with them. But I've been there for 10 years, obviously. So I have become like a main engineer there. But I'm not owner. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's, there's three of you? It's two studios, and this is my home actually. This is like a shed in the back garden. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so Hackney yeah. Studios is two, is a Neve and an SSL room, but this API room is actually at your place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it now. So everything that we're seeing that, well, everything that I'm seeing behind you, since the audience can't see it,、mm-hmm. all that gear is yours. Yeah. Well, in Hackney Road Studio, Someone was in mine, someone was in not. But like a desk, Neve, SSL, they're belonging to studio owner, obviously, and big speaker, it's, it's them. But I have my own Studer A80, two inch, 16 truck, and I've got loads of mic collection as well. And I have a rack of outboard gear. So I bring this, those rack, depends on which room I'm using. So it's, yeah, it's kind of mixed between mine and studios. Would you say that you've done well since you've been in London as far as establishing a foundation and surviving? <laughs> I know it's been a challenge in many ways, but how would you rate your survival? Has it been good? I think I did best what I, can, I could do. I think it's partly because. Renewing a visa is not as easy as you imagine. It's so difficult. And it sometimes depends on luck, I have to say. I was lucky. And all my friends got rejected renewing a visa and they had to go back to Japan. So I somehow survived. So lucky. And then, music wise, it took me extra time to establish this much because, as I said, The first five years, I couldn't do much. And、yeah. then, obviously, I had to build my career from very beginning, from scratch. But despite saying that, I think I'm doing pretty good, I have to say. I don't complain. Maybe I'm a bit slow compared to other, I don't know, hotshot engineers、um, who are much younger than me or better opportunity or whatever. But I think I'm doing quite good, I have to say. Before the pandemic, before COVID, where were you getting your clients? Most of the time, word of mouth.、Uh, people just recommended me. And also, I used to email new bands. Like, let's say I checked the music event or venue or club, club nights or gig nights. And I listened to 
them who is playing. And if I like their music, I just email them and then make a quick a brief appointment. I'm gonna go to see you guys on that day and that gig. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna come down to say hello. And that's how I meet people. And sometimes, you know, nothing happens. Sometimes they come to the studio with me and make a record. That's how I got my work, actually. Was the point of that just to make the connection and hope that they would come back? Or, well, I guess I'm assuming that they were touring and they're coming through London, but not actually living there. But in, you're probably emailing people that live in the area. Yeah, I'm j- I been focusing just the London local band in terms of meeting new people otherwise just pointless to be honest just mm. a waste of time but sometimes I get people from Manchester or out of London so you never know. Now that we're in the pandemic and COVID is here and it's really screwed everything mm-hmm. up how have you been doing? How have you been surviving? Do you still get work? Is it mostly mixing work? Yeah, the first time lockdown one started, obviously Every single of my session got cancelled or postponed. And so I had like zero work to begin with. But, but one of my clients, Alexis Taylor, singer from Hot Chip, if you know the band, he kindly lent me money. And he just prepaid studio money because he knew I lost all my work. So it was really helpful, very kind of him. So basically, recording-wise... It's still really quiet, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much going on recording-wise. Mixing-wise, it's coming back to normal now. Yeah, I currently I'm mixing like three or four albums right now. So it's kind of busy. But first couple of months, just there wasn't much happening. And obviously, no one knows what's going on. And no one knows how long this COVID would last yeah, it's, and I don't really know when we are going to back studio to record properly because obviously everyone has no budget now to use proper studio. So I'm assuming I would be receiving lots of home recording material to mix, which is quite challenging, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you changed the way you do business during COVID? Have you tried to figure out different ways of working that you wouldn't normally work? Yes. Obviously, I can't email new band because nothing happening. So I'm not expecting to see new people, new artists. So I just try not to spend my time doing that. But as I said, I receive loads of like home recording material or this kind of thing. That's why I recently grew up my home studio, this one. So I've been mixing lows in this room lately, partly because artists can't afford to rent a studio. I used to mix new room, which was my favorite room, but no one has a budget. So instead of turning down their offer, I spend extra money to buy quite a few outboard gear and good speaker for this room so I can still work for them, but much lower price. How is Hackney Studios surviving? Is that doing okay? The studio doing all right, actually. We have three main people, engineer, working there. Me and other two guys, they are joint owner. And sometimes they have like outside engineer to come to use studios. So during this lockdown period, well, I didn't have any 
recording work or mixing work in the studio. But luckily, outside engineer, he had like a big project. He was there every day. And obviously, he paid, <laughs> he kept paying rent to the studio. So, <laughs> studio survived. <laughs> As, as an audio professional, what is your advice to other people about how to handle money and business and to survive? What, what have you learned? What works best for you? Money-wise, I still remember someone told me, the first student in, in Japan, he told me money follows you later and just focus on what you can do right now, which, which was for me, it, which was like, trying to be good assistant back then or tape up. You have to just carry on doing that, but you will at some point get money. That's what they said to me. And I still clearly keep it in my, my mind. And I'm still waiting for the moment I get money. So <laughs> I'm not too sure if I'm giving you a right answer, but I think trusting your instinct is quite important, I think. I made a judgment solely depends on my instinct, like, a, I don't know, sixth sense or whatever it's called. Sometimes I didn't trust my instinct and it went really bad. Like I lost quite a lot of money or this kind of thing happened. But when I was judging, if I was taking that job or not, my instinct told me this is a bit dodgy. I shouldn't do it. But um, I didn't listen to my instinct back then. So I took that job. But it turned up really like a disaster, this kind of thing. So <laughs> for me, listen to your instinct, I guess. What about work-life balance? Do you feel that you have a life outside of audio? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sacrificing everything apart from audio business. <laughs> I'm still single. I'm just living with my cat. <laughs> but I decided just to focus on just doing audio things when I studied audio engineering back then. And I knew it would be like hard path for me, not easy, but I made a massive commitment. So I just focus on what I'm doing. And also I'm not like much task person at all. So if I had, um, I don't know, if I had um, something else to do, I can't focus on music i just my tensions you know scratch scrattering around so i can't do two things same time unfortunately mm. so that's why i don't have proper life apart from audio <laughs> 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 quite sad but i chose that but are you happy oh uh, yeah i'm happy oh. i'm happy yeah 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 i think that's all that matters there huh yeah <laughs> are there things that Japanese culture that you find people in England could learn from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Japanese culture has a particular education system. I don't know if it's, I mean, it's something like education system. If you're doing something different from others in a school, for example, teacher would stop you. Teacher like hammered you down, bam, 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 just to make it flat. Just uh, you know, just make it normal, mm -hmm. like uh, with as a same as as a student. So you can't do something crazy or something super creative because mm. they really they found it's a bit too outrageous or too crazy or I, I don't know. They can't you can't really do much 
And that kind of education system in Japan, the normal education system in Japan. And in the society in general, I think they still have similar kind of mood atmosphere, I think. But I only worked in a recording studio in Japan since I grew up. So I can't really tell normal business like life in Japan.、Mm-hmm. But I believe it's not as open as US or UK. It's still, you can't really express your feeling openly、mm. to your boss, for example. It's a bit constricting.、Tight. Yeah. Yeah. You're very, very much. Very. You can't do much. Whereas London, I'm sure London, well, UK has a similar kind of issue. But as a foreigner, I can't really see the same as as a British people see their culture. So、mm-hmm. I can't, I think、uh, I can't see like deep side of UK. Culture wise, I'm just seeing super, superficial. So for me, UK is much easier to live, easier to work. Yeah. For me, living in UK is like holiday all the time. So I've been on, on holiday for 15 years. <laughs> do, you, do you feel more freedom living yeah, there? Free, yeah. 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 Are there positive aspects of Japanese culture that you think are good to have? Oh, yeah. 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 When, as a Japanese living in UK, London, I can't compete with other British people in their territory. That's what I felt. So I have to think what is good about me as a Japanese? What's, what's a stereotype for Japanese? So, like hard worker or punctual or precise, or, you know, that kind of stereotype. For Japanese culture or people.、Mm-hmm. So I kind of enhance that kind of element in me. Or I showed that element in the studio in my work. So I work super fast, super precise, super like bam, 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 bam. And I think that that was really beneficial being Japanese actually. Just to use my Japanese stereotype in the studio, translate to my work. I hope that impresses some、uh, client. Yeah. Have you encountered any racism or any problems with people giving you trouble because you're, you're Japanese? In the studio, no. On the street,、uh, some a few times in my London life, but not many. Luckily, London is a cosmopolitan city. There are so many different nationalities here. Yeah. But maybe there was a few, few times, but I don't really remember and I don't really care. I, don't, I forget、yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah. So, what's ahead for you? What, what do you think the next several years is going to be like for you? My new goal is to have a good, decent studio in like countryside, you know, fresh air, clean air, fresh air.、Mm. But I don't know, having a studio is a good idea these days. <laughs> 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 so, I'm not really sure, studio wise. I'm Still independent. I don't have anyone, like any management or manager, or just working on my own. So I hope I get someone to help me or management company team help me to build up more career or wide range of CV. Yeah. That is my next step, I guess. Where can people find out more about you? Website, you do. Shutashinoda.co.uk or like Instagram, Shutashinoda. I think. Okay.、Yeah. I'll include links in the show notes for the audience so they can check you out and,、uh, and reach out to you if they have questions. Ah, Brian, thank you very much. Yeah. 
Well, we're out of time. I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. It's great to meet you, and I hope to meet you in person someday so we can have a face-to-face -face chat. Yeah, indeed. All right. Thank you, Shuda. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our friends over at Cali Audio have just introduced the brand new LP UNF system, which is meant to give you everything you need from a studio monitor in a package that you can basically set up anywhere. And the system is specifically designed for your desk. So no matter how else you're using your desk, reflections from the drivers to the desk to your ears are accounted for giving you a perfectly clear picture of your mix that you can rely on to translate well. Whether you're putting them on stands behind your desk, on a desk away from walls, on a desk against a wall, on a desk on speaker stands away from the walls, there's a number of configurations and they have settings on the back to accommodate all of that and more. And if price is a concern, never fear. They're priced at $299. That's right, pretty affordable. Head on over to caliaudio.com and check out the new LP UNF. Shuda Shinoda here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I want to thank my crew. That includes Anne-Marie Plow in the editing, Cliff Truesdale on the Working Class Audio theme song, and the magical voice of Mr. Chuck Smith. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Stop on by the Working Class Audio website. Have a great holiday. And until next time, take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware... Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio... This is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out.